The following message by Shane Sowers is brought to you by Central Baptist Church, Aurora, Colorado. www.cbcaurora.com Let's open up our Bibles to Psalm chapter 119. Uh, Psalm chapter 119. Uh, today, we're going to be uh, continuing in the wow, or depends on how you, le- how you learned Hebrew, the wow or the vav. Uh, part of the psalm, the letter of the, the Hebrew letter of the psalm, uh, verses 43 to 44. This is part one of a small series in a series called uh, Unashamed. Now, Professor Robert Wilson of Princeton, uh, he held several doctorates and he knew 45 languages and dialects of the Near East. And he said this, I have come to the conviction that no man knows enough to attack the veracity of the Old Testament. Nobody. No man knows enough to attack the Old Testament, is what he says. Every time when anyone has been able to get together enough documentary proofs to undertake an investigation, the biblical facts in the original text have victoriously met the test. So there's a guy who's part of a group that was trying to undo the Old Testament, but in the end, he was just like, it doesn't matter. The Bible seems to always win. I wonder why that's the case. And the attacks, though, interestingly enough, continue to happen today. It's still happening. Still happening. And what is the most troubling thing about our time. You know what the most troubling thing about the attacks on Scripture today? The most troubling thing is that the most aggressive and constant attacks are actually coming from inside the church. This is what's blowing me away today, family. It's coming from inside the church. When pastors or clergymen, however you want to refer to them, in America, if they were asked or they were asked if they believed that the scriptures are the inspired and inerrant word of God in faith, history, and secular matters, 95% of Episcopalians said no. These are pastors now, not not congregants, pastors. 87% of Methodists said no. 82% of Presbyterians said no. 77% of Lutherans said no, and 67% of Baptists said no. These are not people. These are your pastors in America today who do not believe in the inspired, inerrant word of God uh, um, over faith, history, and secular matters. They don't think that the Bible applies anymore. This is just an amazing statistic that I read. And and the thing is, it's interesting that people be like, well, hey, Shane, I mean, how do you figure that, right? How do you figure? How do you figure this whole thing? Well, popular preachers today make these claims. I just did a small little bit of research today on one quote-unquote Baptist, popular Baptist minister today. Um, Yeah, let's do that. Let's just, let's refer to him as A. Stanley. Never mind, that's too obvious. Let's just call him Andy S. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) He says, 
And I quote, we do not believe Christianity because of the Bible. We believe Christianity because of the resurrection and eyewitness testimonies to the resurrection. I wonder where he got that information from. A couple of years a couple of years ago he said that preachers should stop saying the Bible says. Just stop doing it. He believes that we have been naively taught the Bible says it, so that settles it. He even put down the idea of um, uh, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells us so. And he says, yeah, that's great to get you through Sunday school, but when you get to the main congregation, you need to grow up. I kid you not, go look. These are quotes. Quotes from the man himself. He says, uh, that kind of simplistic reasoning is why many walk away from the faith as adults. So because you keep saying the Bible said it, because you keep saying the Bible is true, people in America are starting to walk away from the church. Theological liberals have been always trying to liberate Jesus from the scriptures. And he argues that our faith is based on the resurrection, not the Bible. But here's the thing. As, as they try to separate Jesus from the scriptures, this is a common thing that happens. As they try to separate Jesus from the scriptures, the resurrection, right? He's saying we believe in the resurrection, but we don't necessarily believe the Bible, right? So he says we can separate the resurrection. So we got to believe the resurrection. We don't need to believe that the Bible is true. You know what's really funny about that? That's not what Jesus said. Do you want to know what Jesus said in Luke chapter 16, verse 31? Luke chapter 16, verse 31. But Abraham said, if they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, the Bible, right? They won't be persuaded even if someone rises from the dead. If you don't believe in the Bible, you are not going to believe in the resurrection. That's what Jesus says. So here's the thing. We need the scriptures. We gotta have the Bible to believe. We say it every single Sunday here at the end at Central Baptist Church. Jesus died for our sins according to... Are you sure? Because I think it referred to Time Magazine, according to some guys. Oh, no, no, okay. He was buried and he was raised on the third day, all according to... You sure it's not the New York Post? The scriptures. How are we supposed to believe that Jesus died for our sins if we didn't have the scriptures? How are we supposed to believe that Jesus rose from the grave if we didn't have the scriptures? It's not possible. I'm saying this again. I don't care who says it. I don't care how popular they are. I don't care how big their church is. I don't care how popular they are on social media. The bottom line is all of this is according to the scriptures. It is not Possible to separate Jesus from the scriptures. You cannot have one or the other. You have to have both. 
And so because of all the, the attacks from science and history and linguists and all the smart scientific people today, all coming against the scriptures, all saying things against the scriptures, it's starting to cause many pastors to become embarrassed of the scriptures. And now they're starting to minimize the necessity of the scriptures, putting it down, believing in all the apparent contradictions that they say are in the Bible. They're putting more trust in human intellect and making it unnecessary for even life and godliness. And many of them use it as a springboard for their lecture on psychological principles for successful living just to keep the Bible thumpers happy. And they're even asserting that there is even life apart from the Bible. And one pastor even said it, the reality is the Bible is a dead, antiquated letter. They just say it just doesn't apply today. It doesn't help anybody today. It doesn't help us with our goals. It doesn't help us with our purpose. So why are we doing it? It makes sense, right? Because more and more every single day, it just seems like the Bible being preached from the pulpit is kind of rare. I had one, uh, one uh, church uh, consultant or actually coming through and he wanted to do an eval of the church and all that stuff. And you guys know how I feel about church consultants, right? So I won't finish the story, but he just came in and he was just all this stuff. And he just said, one of the weaknesses that I already see with your church is you don't understand just how absolutely rare you guys are. And you know what he actually told me? He says, because you guys actually still preach from the Bible. Yeah, amen for us. That we, that's what we do. But it's amazing that he says we are rare today of a church actually preaching from the Bible today. This is really, really a, 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 a very scary thing. A dead, antiquated letter. Let me tell you what Jesus says about the scriptures. Matthew chapter four, verse four. Matthew four, four. But Jesus told them, no. The scriptures say, people do not live by bread alone but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Oh, okay, so you want to throw it out? Yeah, good luck living. The dead, antiquated letter. What else does Jesus say? Matthew 24, verse 35. Matthew 24, verse 35. Heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear. Oh, yeah, you guys can try to cast it aside, but it'll never be put aside. John chapter 6, verse 63. John chapter 6, verse 63. The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. The Bible's not a dead letter. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Hebrews 4, 12. For the word of God is alive and powerful. Alive and powerful sharper than any two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our inmost thoughts and desires. And of course, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 to 17, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. What is happening in the modern evangelical church today is absolutely unfair. It's unthinkable, family. We cannot go down this road. Why are we putting it on ourselves to decide for ourselves whether the Bible should be used or not? It, to be interpreted any way you want to interpret it. 
It's seen as, as so inconsequential that it might not even be mentioned from the pulpit at all. Now, again, family, I told you about that big conference that I went to. And uh, hey, Jack, really quick. Uh, I, guys, remember why I do this, right? Because when I mention the name, people can take it wrong when they're looking at it and all that stuff. And then instead of understanding what I'm saying, they're going to think we're supporting them, right? So we just turn it off just for the case. And, it, it, and the, the editors, they love it when I do this, right? Right, editors? This is your favorite thing when I do this. Um, I, I went to that conference. And there's a conference for Christians and especially was directed for pastors. And the keynote speaker was Tony Campolo. Okay? Now, people will be like, whoa, yeah, hey, Tony, that's a big hitter, man. That's a big name in modern evangelicalism. You know, Time Magazine said it was one of the, he's one of the 50 most important evangelicals in America today. This is what they said. So, influential? Absolutely. He got up there and he preached for an hour and a half. Okay? This guy preached longer than I do. Okay, an hour and a half. <laughs> Finally, somebody got that. Amen. We're sitting there and everyone's like, oh, 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 amen, amen, amen. And it was just the most phenomenal thing. Do you realize that in that sermon that he preached for an hour and a half, he mentioned the name of Jesus one time? Seriously. I was there and listening to this whole thing. I, I even have a copy of it somewhere. If you guys want me to prove it to you, I can. I can. It's a copy of it somewhere in my office. So I got to dig through some stuff to get it. But I can, I can, there, it's there. And I can show you. And do you know when he actually mentioned the name of Jesus? When he closed in prayer. <sighs> Family. Go ahead. I... <laughs> It blows me away. These are not straw men that I'm, I'm giving you real life experience. This is what's happening in the church in America today and Central Baptist. We have got to know what's going on so we realize the fight that we're fighting in our community today. If you really, really understand the context and what we are surviving and what we're living in right now, you will understand why I preach the way I do. I feel, like, I feel like sometimes I get into this position where I, I, it's like I, I'm, re, I'm quoting Jude. Jude 3, hey man, I want to talk to you about our common faith. I want to talk to you about the life that we live and just how wonderful it is to be a Christian. But I find myself again today having to contend for the faith that was once and for all delivered from the saints. I can't stop you all. I mean, I, it would be way cool if I could stop you guys from, you know, listening to other stuff right? I just can't. I can't stop you guys from listening to your podcast. I can't stop you guys from listening to what preachers and all these guys are saying on social media. I can't stop y'all from doing that. As much as I would love to, I can't. I can't stop you guys from reading books that are, that, you know, that I don't I think that we shouldn't be reading. I can't stop you guys from doing that. So I have to equip you to make sure that you recognize and realize what's actually happening in the context of our culture today. This is what's happening in our culture today. The Bible is absolutely being cast aside. It's being cast aside. And it's just a way that just absolutely blows me away. So the thing that I think that's interesting is, is that we fail to understand what the Bible actually is because we fail to understand who we are as Christians. And number three, we fail to understand what the church is here for. These are the issues. These are the problems. Because if we truly understood what the Bible really is, if we truly understand who we really are, and we truly understand what the church really is, 
then we would realize that casting the Bible aside is actually putting God's judgment on ourselves. Amos chapter 8, verse 11, Amos 8, 11. The time is surely coming, says the sovereign Lord, when I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread or water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. A famine. But he's not going to give us a famine of bread and water, a famine of the word of God. That's how God judges. God will judge a people by snatching his word taking it away. And we have a plea from our passage today. So let's take a look, part two of the Hebrew letter wow or vav. Psalm 119 verses 43 to 44. Psalm 119 verses 43 to 44. Do not snatch your word of truth from me, for your regulations are my only hope. I will keep on obeying your instructions forever and ever. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray that it continue to be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We thank you in Jesus' name, amen. So the first thing we're gonna talk about today is the reality of the judgment and punishment with the removal of God's word. And second, we'll see the freedom of Christ that we get from the good news of the gospel made clear by the power of the living word of God. So the thesis statement today is this, and again, the thesis statement is me trying to summarize the entire sermon in one sentence. Though sin and the pattern of this world cause us to lose confidence in the very word of the living God, it is the power of the Holy Spirit and the truth of Scripture that will cause us to see the wonders of God's special revelation. His very breath is our, is our truth our source, and even our hope. So point number one, don't snatch your word, the judgment of word removal. This is the cry of the heart of our psalmist today. This is what he is pleading with the Lord for. He's pleading, he's asking the Lord to help him. This is the cry of his heart. Look at what he says. Essentially what he's saying is this, Please don't take your word away from me because your word is my only hope. Your word is my only hope. I don't think our psalmist would have liked what's happening in the modern church today because for him, the worst thing that could happen is for the Lord to take away the only hope he has. Now, how horrible do you think that would be? if somebody were to actually take away the only hope you have. This is your only hope, and they take it away. This is, the, this in essence, what he's saying. This is what he's pleading for. He's asking the Lord, please do not take away my only hope. This is my only hope. Your word is my only hope. This is all I have. And that hope was the scriptures. It was the scriptures. God's word, family. That's what he's begging the Lord for. And this is what's key about this whole thing. He's saying that the word is his only hope. See, I I just wonder if we believe that today. We believe that the word, do we believe that the word is the only thing we got? is 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 it that way? I mean, because if we actually believe that, then I don't think that the modern church would be downplaying the word like they're doing. What else are they putting their hope in? 
I'm, I'm really curious about this. If you're not going to have the word of God be your only hope for truth, what else are you putting your hope in? The secret? Dianetics? Is that even around anymore? The L. Ron Hubbard thing. I mean, what else are we putting our hope in? Oprah? The view? Uh, the stuff that we get from Dr. Phil? Uh, you know, uh, homeopath, naturopath medicine? Is, that, is this where our hope is? In Christian tarot cards? Do you know that we have that? What are we putting our hope in? If it's not the Bible, what are we putting our hope in? Do we not fear this? Losing the Bible? Do we not fear that? It just, just kind of reminds me, the idea with the Bible, it kind of reminds me of, have you ever met those people that actually don't understand the true meaning of church discipline and when you threaten church discipline upon them? And they're just like, wait a minute. So if you put me on church discipline, that means I can't be a part of the church community. And some people will say, well, then that means I can just stay home. I, no, but okay. Well, why wouldn't I want that? It's football season, man. I, 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 I'm glad to stay home on Sundays. And they actually think church discipline is a good thing. Oh, you're going to punish me with church discipline? You're just giving me what I really want. We, they don't, and then you sit down and you talk to them about what church discipline is, and you realize that they don't really understand what church discipline is. That's the reason why they're saying what they're saying. Oh, yeah, being withheld the Lord's Supper? Yeah, you don't think that's serious? Well, when you explain to them what the Lord's Supper is, now they're like, oh, well, I guess when you put it that way, I guess that is serious. Not being a part of the church community? Oh, well, what does that mean? Well, you're ostracized from the church community. You are being going to be treated in the church as if you are an unbeliever. That's how we're going to treat you. Oh, wait, well, then that would be serious then, wouldn't it? Yeah. But, but you know, but that's just something that you do. And, and you know, and so that doesn't mean anything when it comes to heaven, <laughs> you know? Oh, well, what do you think Jesus means when he says whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven? You know essentially what he's saying there? Whatever you guys do as a church, I got your back. Wait a minute. So if you guys put me on church discipline and you ostracize me, you're saying Jesus has your back when you do that? Yeah. Wait, that changes things now. It's a failure to understand the reality of church. So that whole situation kind of reminds me of what it is that we're doing when it comes to the Bible. I just think when it comes to the Bible, we just don't know that we do not understand what the Bible is. Because I often wonder why it's not obvious that the scriptures are our only hope. Isn't it obvious when he says, the scriptures are my only hope, I would think that that would be obvious to us. Yeah, that makes sense. The scriptures are my only hope. I understand why it's my only hope too, because it's the word of God. It's my only hope. So I often wonder also why it's not obvious that the scriptures are the thing that we can't live without. 
And it shouldn't surprise us because Jesus told us that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that's spoken from the mouth of God. Do we agree with that? If we say yes, then you can't live without the Bible. Why do we think that? Why do we think that it's just so easy for us to move the Bible aside and think that we're okay? How do you figure that? I, I often wonder why it's not obvious to us why we can't just cast aside the scriptures as easily as we do. And it's not even just talking about the individuals who are coming against the Bible. I'm talking about those of us whose Bible is still sitting on the coffee table collecting dust. And you can't remember the last time you read the Bible. I, I would think that this is obvious. So don't you think that if you believe that the Bible was the very word of God, if you believe the Bible is that thing that Jesus says that you can't live without, why is the Bible not front and center in our life and we embrace the words of truth as if it's the greatest and most valuable treasure we have here on earth? Maybe it's because we don't believe it or it's because we don't know who we are or we don't know what the church is supposed to be. Because in the end, the question is this, could it be that it's possible that the scriptures, they're not really what we need today? I mean, think about it. If, pulp, if pulpits are preaching more secular ideologies, philosophies, and psychology, and they're not preaching the Bible, then what are they communicating? That they don't think that the Bible is relative today. What you really need is you need these principles and apply these principles into your life. You're actually saying that you believe that our hope is in things other than the Bible. Do we not understand that? That's what you're communicating to the people. That's what you're communicating to the church. That's what you're communicating to the world. Maybe our ignorance is not what we think the scriptures are. It's actually ignorance about what we think we are. If the scriptures are not our only hope, again, my question, what else is there? Where else are you looking? If we don't consume ourselves in the word of God, where are we getting our hope and our truth? Where are we getting our information if we're not getting it from the Bible? And don't tell me you're getting it from the Bible if you don't read the Bible because you got to read the Bible to get the information for you to apply to your heart. Amen. Come on. I need a little more energy from you to make sure that you're with me today. I'm recovering from surgery. If I can do it, you can do it. So is it possible for us to get hope, truth, and direction from something other than the Bible, ultimately for us to put our hope in Christ? Can you tell me what that would be? Many people would say money, the political party, successful people, powerful and influential social media personalities, technology, popularity, relationships, success, what would it be? What could it possibly be? Just amazing to me. Are we asking ourselves these questions? Shouldn't it be obvious to us? 
I, I just, it's just amazing. It's like we say, hey, I'm a Christian. I live my life with a biblical worldview. Remember I gave you the example of a relative of mine and I said, hey, so you have a biblical worldview. Yes, everything that I believe comes from the Bible. Is abortion wrong? She said, yes. Can you tell me why? Well, because it is. Well, I mean, we have a biblical worldview, right? Yes. Well, then you should have a scripture to defend why you believe that abortion is wrong. Well, well I, just, I just know. Okay, you just know how. Well, I, I don't like it. Oh, so we make decisions now of right and wrong based on what you like and what you don't like. How in the world does that make us any different from the world? Well, that's how the world makes their decisions, right? We're supposed to be different. So even if you're right, you're still wrong if it's not a biblical worldview. If we, if we don't know why, and the reason why we believe this is in the scripture, right? I mean, is it possible that we could have remembered from Sunday school the scripture just as easy as thou shalt not kill? Hello? Where, what, where are we getting our information from? Where do we get our information about right and wrong from? You know, there's, there's so many things that we're having debates about. You know, about gender, about sexuality, about practices, about all kinds of things that are immoral. We're having debates about this stuff, and I'm actually hearing Christians debate, and not one of them quoting any scripture. All that's making us family is just one person's opinion against another. Yeah, your opinion may be right, but the way you came to that conclusion is wrong. Remember, remember it was like, remember in school when you did like long division? How, how many of y'all remember doing long division and you guys had rem, a, a remainder and it like you almost cried? Like all you wanted to do when you got done with the long division problem was put that line at the bottom. Oh, I lived for that. If I had a remainder, right, just all, all that stuff. But remember, when you did your test, you couldn't just look at the problem and just put the number on top, right? And then all the, all the math that had to happen, you always had to have that scratch paper, right? And you had to number the scratch paper and you had to staple it to your test. Why? Because the teacher said, it's, even if you got the right answer, if you didn't show your work, the answer's wrong. Same idea. Show your work. How did you get it? Because then we're saying that this is not my opinion. This is the living word of God. And the argument is over. It's over. It's done. After 20 years, I want to say 20 years, of intense theological studies pertaining to the church, I find that our real problem is is not that we misunderstand and can't define what the scriptures are. It's not really that we don't know who we are. I think the main problem is this. We don't know what the church is. I think we struggle with that. I've said this many times, I think. You know, in, in certain centuries, they all had their issues when it came to Christianity. They fought you know, over soteriology. They fought with sovereignty. They fought with justification. They fought, fought all these theological things. I think our issue today, in church today, is ecclesiology. 
we don't know what the church is. We struggle of understanding why we exist. We really don't know. I, I just really feel like we really don't know what it, why we exist and what our purpose here is on earth and why Christ even put us together. See, the reason why we consume ourselves with content from places other than the Bible, we put our ideologies in successful entrepreneurs, in financial advisors, in psychologists, in social media, because we're confused about what the church is. Because if we really understood what the church is, none of these people would have anything to say that was going to be beneficial to us at all. Do you know why we put our, our, our trust in, in quotes and, and we read books today from successful entrepreneurs? Because we think life is actually about success. We think life is about thriving, being the best you, having your best life now, all of those types of things. Financial advisors, why do we have things where you know, people go to church and they get financial advice? Why do they do that? Because we think that the ultimate thing in life is for us to get as much money as possible. Psychologists, because we believe that life is about behavior modification. We just got to, you know, I just people don't like me. I'm a bad person. Maybe I got to figure out a way to change my life. And social media, because these people are absolutely super popular, right? And we celebrate celebrities. Sorry, if any of you guys here today are celebrities, this is not directed towards you personally. It's not directed towards you personally. Why do we celebrate celebrities? I I just remember one time it was talking about... uh, I can't remember if I'm getting this right, but it was kind of like this, but it was like an idea about um, the philosophy of this world to the philosophy of how we're supposed to live in light of Christianity and the Bible, and the keynote speaker was Bono from U2. I I might have that wrong, but it was something like that. And I just remember thinking like, I don't care what a, what a band member from U2 has to say about this stuff. Why are we asking him? Well, because he's a celebrity. So what? <laughs> so just because you're popular, you have something to say that everybody wants to hear. If we really understood who we are and what the church really is, we would not care what any of these people had to say. We wouldn't care. I want to hear about that kind of stuff. I don't want to hear about behavior modification. I want to hear as to how the Holy Spirit, through the Word of God, is going to transform me to be more like Christ. What does Bill Gates have to say about that? Family. The entire world. See, and here's the thing. Before I get there, again, we can, we we do this. We put ourselves in the quest, in, into the situation. So I have a question. Let me ask you a question here today. The entire world. Think about the entire world. What we see in the news, everything, whether the news is true or not. Let's pretend it is. Let's pretend they're not lying to us, even though we know they are. But we just pretend. <laughs> the entire world. You just have to look outside your house, look out the window. You can see your next door neighbors and people across the street. Come on. Selfishness in our world prevails. 
The love of money prevails. Injustice prevails. Real criminal activity occurs with no justice for victims. There's murder. There's stealing. Murder almost nightly. Here in where, where we live out here in this almost nightly. Gunshots nightly. I hear gunshots nightly. Okay? Murder. Stealing. Immorality. Lust and perversion of the worst kinds. Deception. Covenant violations. Drunkenness. Debauchery. Lasciviousness. Corrupt leadership. Come on, Frank. You know Chicago. Come on. Cor- immortality or immorality is at an all-time high, extreme, so much so that we today would even cause the people from Sodom and Gomorrah to blush. They would look at our society today and just be like, what is going on with them? Abominations, detestable things, suppression of truth, darkness, witchcraft, corruption is all over, people destroying themselves, Kids are killing themselves. People are being trafficked. Mass shootings, warmongering, hatred, anger, destruction, lies, lies, and so much more lies. All of this around us, 24-7, affecting us and the people we love. And it does not end, it does not stop, and it's growing worse and worse every single day. This is what's happening in our world today. And we go to church, and what we want to hear about is the good life. How we can have the greatest and best life. How we can have the best of all prosperity. All the wonders of luxurious living. How we can be free from pain and suffering. How we can live better. How we can thrive in life. How we can have our inheritance and our best life now. How we can unlock the best that life has to offer. God wants us to be rich beyond our wildest dreams. It's time to celebrate. It's time to party. It's time for us to live like kings. When all of this stuff is happening around us. That's what we want to hear. Micah chapter 2.11. Micah 2.11. Suppose a prophet full of lies were say to you, I'll preach to you the joys of wine and alcohol. That's just the kind of prophet you would like. The entire world is falling apart and falling down around us. And we want to go to church to find out how we can be rich. It's a failure to understand who we are It's a failure to understand who the church is because Christianity is not a cruise ship full of relaxation and luxury. Christianity is a battleship. Whoa, whoa, come on. How many of you think this is actually being preached in pulpits all across America today? We're not a cruise ship. This is not about a life of luxury and relaxation. Christianity is a battleship. And the Holy Spirit does not give us luxury for us to put on relaxation for us to put on every day. Do you know what the Holy Spirit gave us and wants us to put on every single day? It's called armor. 
Ephesians chapter 6.12, Ephesians 6.12, for we are not fighting against flesh and, and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authority of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, 1 Timothy 6.12, fight the good fight for the true faith. Hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called you, which you have been declared so well before many witnesses. 1 Timothy chapter 118, 1 Timothy 118, Timothy, my son, here are my instructions for you based on the prophetic words spoken about you earlier. May they help you fight well in the Lord's battles. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 to 4. 2 Timothy 2, 3 to 4. Endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilians' life, for they cannot, for they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. Jude 3, dear friends, I have been eagerly planning to write to you about the salvation we all share, but now I find that I must write about something else, urging you to defend the faith that God has entrusted once and for all time to his holy people. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, 5, we destroy every proud obstacle that keeps coming from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. Christianity is a battle. It's a fight. So when we hear about this stuff, well, hey, man, let's, let's all, uh, the sermon I'm going to preach today, just push the button on your chair on the side and, you know, it'll recline so you can relax. And, you know, the deacons will be handing out pina coladas. If it's a Baptist church, it'll be non-alcoholic pina coladas. Pina coladas, we got fresh focaccia bread, you know, from, you know, Panera bread and all that. I mean, it, it's just, it, this is not about relaxation. It's a battle. And some of us are like scratching our heads going, no wonder my life has always been a fight. I was wondering why I didn't have the pina colada. All I'm faced with every single day is struggles and trials and tribulation and I'm fighting people in the world and all this opposition that's happening. Yes. Why would he call us a soldier? Why does he ask us to be a good soldier? Why does he tell us to put the armor of God on? As Christians, we don't walk around, you know, with the mink colts and the alligator shoes and all that stuff. I mean, we just, just that. Well, we walk around with the helmet of salvation, the shield of faith, the breastplate of righteousness. We are in a war. We are in battle. But Shane, you know, even soldiers take retreats. Absolutely, they take retreats. The problem is, is we never get back to the fight. I feel like we've just been a, de a decade of retreat. We're not being good soldiers in the battle before us. And all that we need for this battle and, and for our hope in this battle is the scriptures. All we have for the greatest battle is the scriptures. And the greatest weapon we wield is the scriptures. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17. Ephesians 6, 17. Put on, the salva put on salvation as your helmet and take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. God. Yeah. We're, we're Christians. T 
together walking into a battle. This is why it's hard when you understand it this way. We're in a fight. Hey, I, I can't be the only one out there fighting. I need you guys to help me, right? We all got to help each other. Now, think about a battle. Let's get more archaic. Let's go back to the Roman Empire, right? We're fighting a battle, and the guy standing next to you has no sword. And then you turn to your left, and the guy on your left has no sword. And then you look down, and you got maybe 20 guys down, another guy has a sword. And maybe 50 guys down, the other guy has a sword. But you look around, and there's all these people who have set the Bible aside, saying that they're Christians, and I'm with you. I prefer you just stay home. I don't want you coming and fighting a battle with me without any weapons. Seriously, you're going to fight with somebody that don't have no weapons? As soon as the weapons comes out, the person is probably going to run. What's he going to use as his sword? His arm? Come on, family. We don't follow the new wave of teaching that's causing many to doubt and lose confidence in the scriptures. The scriptures are being cast aside. We do not go into battle unarmed. Plead with the Lord today not to have his word taken from us. Fight to make sure that we hide the word of God in our hearts so that nothing takes it away from me. Meditate on God's word so that the word falls on fertile ground, not on rocky ground, so that the birds come and take it away. Let's be good soldiers today. We have our orders today, right? For those of you in the military and been in the military, you know what I'm talking about here. You got your orders. Right? I remember a, a friend of mine, he was a Marine. Any Marines here today? Yeah, Frank. Every time I saw him on Sunday, I'd be like, Semper Fi, and a big old smile would be on his face. Um, he used to tell me, the funny thing is, and it just always stuck with me, he says, the reason why as Marines, he goes, I don't know about all the other ones, but at least for us, we were always toned and we were always trained. When you don't follow orders, that's when people get killed. And I used to always think about that as good soldiers in life. When we don't follow the orders that we get from scripture, that's the reason why people go to hell. Whoa. We don't follow orders. People go to hell. That's what happens. If the word of God is gone, we have no hope. When all is said and done and all the nonsense and deception clears, most of the time because of suffering, it becomes apparent that all we have is the Bible. In the end, we will see that the Bible is all that's needed. When we get to a more sober thinking, we see the real value of the scriptures. That's why I love Psalm 119 verse 71. Psalm 119 71. My suffering was good for me. You believe that? You don't hear people in modern Christianity saying stuff like that. My suffering was good for me. I'm happy that I'm suffering. He says, my suffering was good for me, for it taught me to pay attention to your decrees. 
My suffering taught me to pay attention to the very word of God. Family, the only real treasure we have in life is the word of God. Psalm 119.72, Psalm 119.72, your instructions are more valuable to me than millions in gold and silver. Now, seriously, how many people do you know in our world today have million dollars in gold and silver in their hand and put it on the table and just set it aside? You can give it to John if you want. Who does that? You know, who who drops a million dollars on the sidewalk and goes, ah, no no worries, no, 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 no issue, no big deal. Man, I see people like digging through the ground and trying to get through steel gates to get a quarter. are to never, family, never, ever, ever fall. We never, ever, ever, ever fall into the insanity of ever believing that we don't need the Bible or that its value is anything less. Don't ever think that the Bible is anything less than the greatest treasure known to man. Can't get to that place. We can't get to that place. We can't. So we pray today, please, Lord, don't snatch your word of truth from me. Where else would we, where else would we go? That was the question I asked you today. Where else are we going to get our hope? It's the same thing the disciples said to Christ. Where else are we going to go? You have the words of life. Where else? Some, some people in, in, in the world today and starting to become more and more popular with, you know, within the church. Point number two, our last, and we're gonna close here. Some of our modern church leaders say that the big problem with the Bible are the many, many contradictions that it has with itself. Now, this is just always puzzling why people continue to bring up contradictions in the Bible. They have been accusing the Bible of contradictions since the first century. And since the first century, people have been giving answers to all the contradictions that we have in the Bible, the apparent contradictions that there are in the Bible. Every single one of them has been addressed. Every single one of them has been addressed satisfactorily. Every single one of them have been addressed, I wanna say, a million times already. They say it's an embarrassment that we believe that the Bible is inerrant and it's the word of God when there's contradictions all over the place. They say, we gotta be honest. They're irreconcilable. And I keep saying, they are? Since when? The Bible has been attacked for centuries and every single time the dust settles, there it is, still standing and smiling at everyone. People have gone against the Bible and have failed every single time. You can't do it. You just can't do it. You got issues, bring it up. We can talk about it. I've been dealing with this issue for a long time now. You can't do it. The Bible continues to prove itself true. Now again, I'm not the final authority on this, 
but I have yet to be shown that one of these quote-unquote apparent contradictions can, cannot be reconciled. Not one. So what's going on? I have a theory. Here's my theory. It's the reality of the famous quote, and I'm sure many of you have heard this quote before. Men do not reject the Bible because it contradicts itself, but because it contradicts them. That's the issue. They're looking for those contradictions because they're just trying to find something to help prove that the Bible is wrong so that they can be right. It contradicts us. It contradicts what we want. It contradicts what we desire. People say that it's hard to be a Christian today because the Bible does not let us be cooperative with the world. Because everything the world does today, it contradicts with the Bible. Well, yeah, it's called sin. I, I was listening to, uh, to John MacArthur preach the other day and he, John was like, he just did a side note thing and he says, you wanna know the reason why people don't like to hear sound doctrine and theology? It's like, you know why people don't wanna hear that today? He goes, because they love their sin. We, I don't want to hear all that stuff with the Bible. I don't want to hear all that stuff, you know, all that stuff. The reason why we don't want to hear it is because we love our sin. Sin is the issue. Sin is always the issue. And the thing that so easily besets us, it's a reality for us. Nobody is free from it. It is a reality for us all. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Now, I know some of us have a hard time believing that. I, I, I get it. I get it because, you know, I look at Tomoko sitting right there. What sins does she commit? You know what I'm saying? You see some people, like, what exactly does Tomoko do? You know, what, what is her sin? Like, she comes to church, you know, you don't think that she does anything. I can't think that she, you know, when she's nailing things to the wall, if she smacks her hammer and she busts out with cuss words, I, I just, I don't see it. I, I don't see Tomoko, you know, down in the basement lighting up a bong. <laughs> Do you? I mean, I don't see that. <laughs> but a lot of times, family, it's because we don't realize the reality of sin and what it is to stand before a holy God. The Bible says that you can break the smallest of commandments, one of the smallest of commandments, and you are as guilty as somebody who's broken all of it. No one is righteous. No, not one. There is no one on earth who always does good and never sins. But just knowing that we all have sinned is not the end of our problem. The problem continues. You know what the problem is? The fact that our God, who is a holy God, who hates sin and rebellion, has promised in his word to punish and destroy sin. Oh, man. 
It is the reality of the wrath of God. It's the place of weeping and gnashing of teeth, the place of outer darkness, the place of eternal fire, the place reserved for the devil and his angels. Okay, Shane. Yes, you're right, we sin. Yes, that is, yes, God did say that he was gonna punish sin and hell. Is there a way that we can be saved from this? And the, ab- the answer is absolutely yes. And we get it from the scriptures. What does the scripture say? The scripture says, thank the Lord that we can be saved from all this. Rejoice today. The word of the Lord declares Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures and he was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners. Jesus came into this world to seek and save that which was lost. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, you are healed. And there's hope for us today, family. There's life for us today. And the Lord grants us his repentance, grants us our repentance, and the Lord grants us faith because of his grace and mercy so that if you believe, if you believe, or if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Salvation is here. The word of truth declares it. The grace and mercy of the Lord has given us this wonderful thing called the word of God. And we see from the word of God that there is life. There is life more abundant in Christ and in Christ alone. Let's pray. Thank you for listening. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. For more information about Central Baptist Church, go to www dot cbcaurora dot com